0: everyone. Um, you can kind of tell that my voice is a little weird. I'm still uh, a little sick. I've basically had a head cold since like, I don't know, the middle of fucking December. And um, as a result, it was just so bad it. My head. Oh, I don't want to bitch about it too much, but the end result was is I had to take a break from my radio show because I just could not put this headset on and keep it on for any lengths of time, and um, I was just really fucking miserable. It snowed here today for those of you who um, <clears throat> aren't keeping track of the snowpocalypse that's happening in the south it snowed um we've got like five inches of snow my siberian husky could not be happier he um we had a snow bite, a snowball fight earlier which means i threw snowballs at him and he tried to eat them so um that was the extent of our um winter activities um but other than that so yeah Um, I got a little sniffle, so I don't want to be gross. So if you guys are in the chat room and I sniffle too much and it sounds really terrible, you guys let me know and I'll stop. Because my mom is one of those, I hate to say this about her. Oh, anyway, she's a slurper. So when she has a head cold, she does this horrible, oh, it's so gross and disgusting. I will not do it for you. But needless to say that when she has a head cold, I avoid that woman like she's got the plague. I am not even kidding because she can just t- I I I wouldn't even want to eat in her presence when she has a head cold cuz it's so terrible. Anyway, <clears throat> she uh yeah, it's it's just it's terrible. Um uh it's like 30 fucking degrees here and um for those of you who are completely unaware of it or if you're in another country and don't know the you know, geography and all that stuff, um it doesn't get that cold on a regular basis here. Um but uh in fact it was like seventy degrees on Christmas Day, um here. <laughs> so it was like a oh, lot I don't wanna know about this. So but yeah, it's snowing. It snowed most of the day and we got some ice, but we still have power so that's good and I still have internet so I'm not, you know going crazy or anything. Uh I have been um I have been coloring. I put that on my live journal, and I got a whole bunch of um, uh, people sending me links to their favorite coloring books, and that's just really, really fun. So um, I picked up some ideas, and um, I've been looking online and and finding um, free uh, coloring things that I can print out, which is a lot cheaper because those coloring books are ridiculously expensive, in case you missed it. They're terribly expensive, but um, I can print out shit on my printer. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been doing that, too, and I found a really gorgeous tiger the other night that I I colored. Anyway, it's like I'm not even an adult, but I don't care. Um, Tonight's question um, comes from my Ask Anything page, Ask Me Anything. And you can go to that page and ask me a question, and um, I may or may not answer it um, as time goes by. Sometimes I look to that page for inspiration because I got, I mean, jack shit to say otherwise. so uh, definitely um you know, keep asking those questions and all that stuff and it's and it's great i uh i I really appreciate it when you take the time to go over there and ask me a question that's um you know on your mind or whatever, anyway, Silver Fox said my desire to write died six years ago, the same time my brother died last week, I had an idea that wouldn't go away until I wrote it down. And what do you know? I actually enjoyed myself. I wasn't expecting it. Point is, what do I do to ease myself into this so I don't lose the enjoyment? I've forgotten most of what I ever learned about craft. Um, so how do I pick up those skills again? You probably haven't forgotten. First off, you, you've not. And it's all there in your head. It's it's all there, and it's all gonna come back to you as. You, as you write, as you move through um, your idea and and, and explore it, it's all there. True, you might have lost some grammar rules, but if anybody's read my work, you know, grammar rules are the last fucking thing I think about. Um, That's what editors are for. (laughs) I totally believe that, too. That's what editors are for. Uh, So um, what I would say um, is, first, I'm very sorry you lost your brother and lost your your um, your drive as a writer at the same time, I can understand, you know, sometimes stress and and grief just takes it out of you. There are those of us who, um, actually dig deeper into their creativity when they're stressed out or when they're hurt or upset. And there are those of us who just cut off completely, you know, and and there's no really rhyme or reason to it. You don't know what's going to happen to you. Um, until it does. I, uh, Every single time I break a bone, which happens more often than, than I think is reasonable, I turn out 100K of Harry Potter. I don't, I got nothing. I don't even, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, whatever. So, but if other kinds of stress um, just make me not want to speak to anybody and not want to read and, and not want to write, uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it really just depends on, on how your brain and your body um, handle stress. And we all handle stress a little bit differently. But what I would say is that, um, that you have to kind of shelter the rider that's inside you. And earlier today, there was um, a conversation that took place between me and a rider friend who's also stuck in her house because of the snow. And... Um, She called me, and we were talking, and um, she said (laughs) that in order to shelter herself, because I told her about this question on my website, that she likes to, like, build a bunker. And in that bunker, she keeps all her ideas and um, the writer that she is in that bunker, and no one sees her work until she's completely detached from it. She she takes her work and she keeps it and she hoards it. And she might hoard it for a year and not show anybody. And then when she finishes it, she sets it aside and she's done with it for a little bit and then she picks it back up and she does her second draft. And by the time she gets to their second draft she is emotionally detached from this work. So if somebody hates it, she doesn't give a fuck. Let me repeat that. If someone hates what she wrote, she doesn't give a fuck Now, I'm not sure I could ever be that person, but I appreciate her fortitude um, I think that what you have to do is um to shelter and protect yourself first um A lot of writers, a lot of people will say, "Oh, put yourself out there, you know you can't." Grow as a writer without criticism. You can't do this, this, and this without... No, fuck that. Fuck that. You don't ever have to expose yourself to anybody else. You never, ever, as long as you live, have to show the words that you wrote down to anyone unless you want to. If you don't think you can handle posting in fandom, then don't. If you want to post anonymously under a name that nobody knows in fandom and make a little count on AO3 that no one that is in no way connected to you, it isn't on your Facebook, it isn't on your website, it isn't in your email, and nobody knows it's you, you go right the fuck ahead and do that because that's you, that's your shit, and you can do with it or not do with it exactly what you want to protect yourself and your creativity. You have to build a a structure that works for you. What works for me might not work for anybody else. Someone said today that I have a hearty personality. That's true enough. I do. I, you know what? I might. Okay, if someone says, oh, I hated this, I'll be like, oh, okay, fuck you. I mean, I don't like it that I hated it, but it isn't going to keep me up at night either. You know, do you get what I mean? I mean, it's it's great to be told, oh, this was brilliant. I love this. Thanks. Move on. I'm not going to dwell on that either. I don't dwell on either side of it. Because in the end, always in the end, whether no matter what the project is, no matter where it's going to end up going, no matter who's going to read it, I write for me. I write for me first. And foremost, and I will never do anything differently again. In the past, I've tried to shape myself as a writer to meet the expectations of other writers or readers or editors or an agent. And it, it just, it made me absolutely fucking miserable. So I'm never going to do that again. And if that means eventually that my words get written down in the notebook and no one sees them, that's fine. Because I don't write for anybody but me. And I think the best way to protect yourself and to insulate yourself as as a writer is to please yourself first and never, ever invest your emotional worth in the opinion of somebody else. Don't put your heart in their hand because nine times out of ten they can't be trusted with it yes there are plenty of writers that we're surrounded by on Rough Trade and in our groups that really are super supportive and they're lovely and there's just it's just this great nurturing environment that's developed in Rough Trade that I'm super proud of and I really appreciate the participants who really go all out for each other and for themselves, but you have to disconnect emotionally from your work to put it out there. You can't invest in the opinions of others and build your self-worth on that because your foundation is going to crumble and you're going to fall and break something and then write 100K of Harry Potter, which... Okay, that wouldn't be bad, but the other part would be sucky. It would be really sucky. So build your foundation where you're safe in your own head and in your own heart and take care of yourself first. And if that means your work never gets out there, then it never gets out there. And if it means that you have to sit on a project for a whole year before you can accept that some people aren't going to like it, that's fine. Do that. Keep it for a year. Let go of it. Blunt your emotional investment in the work. That way, if you get a crappy response, you can give them the finger and move right on because you don't care if they hate it. You can't please everybody all the time, but you can piss off most of everybody in the same minute if you work at it or not, just depending on how you were born. My my mother said I stepped out of the womb, contrary, and that's probably true. Stepped right out. That could be hereditary. I'm just I'm just saying, it could be hereditary. So, I guess what I'm saying is is that you have to. Um, My grandma was very fond of saying this, and it's so true. You don't have to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. And remember that across the board, whether it's um, with your writing or with the decisions you make in your life or, you know, just um, putting yourself first, you know, Saying no, it's perfectly okay to say no to somebody if you don't want to do something. Um, You don't have to kill yourself to make somebody else happy. I mean, that's just what it boils down to. And you don't have to let somebody hurt you so they feel superior to you and in fandom that happens a lot and if you don't accept criticism, if you stand up for yourself you're um, oversensitive and you're whiny and you're bitchy and how dare you, how dare you stand up for yourself and why not just take my abuse because I want to unload it on you I mean there's a lot of people in fandom who think that way, who think they have the right to unload on strangers and if you don't allow it or well, you're an oversensitive bitch and it's not and it is it is. There, there is an element of tall poppy syndrome in that but it's also something a little bit worse these are people who think they have the right to abuse others whether they're, these people are successful or not and tall poppy syndrome is when somebody gets really successful and others try to cut them down um, because they don't feel like they deserve that success or they want to keep them to themselves or, or, or whatever. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a thing. Um, there's really a great uh, video on that on YouTube by Carrie. Mm, I forget her her last name. Carrie, oh, look up Carrie and tall poppy syndrome and it'll pop right up for you. Um, I think her YouTube channel is... I'm up over my i way up I'm up past my bedtime or something like that. Great video, but it's also it, it comes down to this malicious desire to make other people miserable. Carrie Hope Fletcher, thank you, Azure. I appreciate that. The um. YouTuber is Carrie Hope Fletcher and she's, she's beautiful and smart and really funny. And I really appreciate her videos and she's great way past my bedtime is her YouTube channel and look up the video tall poppy syndrome. It's great. Um, And beyond that desire to make others feel bad about their success or about their abilities or about their talents, there is this desire in people, inside fandom and out, to make others miserable for no other reason but to make them miserable. Oh, no, that's interesting. Um Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Say that for my radio show listeners who aren't in the chat room. (laughs) I said that I think that some people have no contribution to fandom other than to offer critique. And if you say no to the critique, you are in their mind denying them their rightful place in fandom. That's interesting and terrible all at once. It is. I mean, I've read too many... um, too many forums and stuff where people are talking about, you know, they're talking about how, like, I or, you know, me as the author are are we're not growing and whatnot, but what they're really saying is, you're not letting me give you my opinion, and you aren't getting the benefit of my wisdom. And, you know, and you usually, most of the time, these people are not writers, and so it's like, well, what is your contribution here other than to just run randomly run around and critique people? And it seems like they have built an identity around making writers better with the I mean, with this font of wisdom that they have about how they can improve, and you are denying them this this thing that they've wrapped part of their fandom identity up in. That's so creepy, but it makes so much sense. And it's really scary because. These are the same types of people who do this, like, it it almost sounds like you're describing an, a domestic abuse situation. Well, it is, where, kind of, it is kind of abusive. Where one partner is a narcissist and they only get um, satisfaction out of correcting their other partner and being right 100% of the time. And that's just really horrifying. <laughs> Well, I I won't I won't name the the group, but there is a group of uh, a big, really big group with some people who get together and they like to talk about all the people that they correct and who they can correct and offer public criticisms to people. And when you deny them that, they get really upset and they are very narcissistic about the fact that you don't want their opinion. I've encountered that group. I think you have indeed. They I like bet to I talk about you a lot. Well, if they're listening, and I hope they are, kiss my ass. Really. Just just kiss my ass. It's looking a little cute right now. I did gain four pounds over um, holidays. That's just more room for more of you to kiss my ass. Just let you know. But, no, I have encountered that group. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, some of them don't like me who don't even read me, who don't read my work, who haven't listened to my um, radio show, they dislike me based on the opinions of other members of the group. And I bet they all vote for Dr. You said no. Right, I said no. That's that's all you said. You said no. You said no, I don't want your opinion. What a horrible bitch I am. Mm Mm-hmm. I've actually had readers who were in that group, um, or who joined that group, come back to me and say, "You know, I joined this group on such and such, and it was so terrible. And I ran across all these things that are said about you, and they list, and they list them right. And, a, and it was so terrible, I had to leave the group. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, what, what am I supposed to say? I'm actually a member of that group." <laughs> And I get, every day, I get a um, a notification of files that are that are uploaded to that group because I want to make sure they're not sharing my shit officially on the group. Just out of spite, really. I mean, th- mm-hmm. in fact, that group is 99% of the reason that I made my site private. Just so I could go through their members list and ban people who were in it from my site. Of which I've put about thirty of them on this classification on my website called assholes, and the assholes <laughs> they can log in, but they can't read. I regret <laughs> nothing. I regret nothing. It's fantastic. They'll get. It. I'll get an email. For some reason, I keep getting a 404 whenever I click on your store. Oh, I don't know. You know. Clean out your cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Try a different device. (laughs) Are you sure it's not your computer? It might be user error. And all along, I've got them blocked so they can't read it. And then I'll go through sometimes and, like, check off a couple so they can read them. So it's like every other page they can't read. Uh, I'm not even sorry. Well, see, the thing is, every time you post a, um, it's this weird form of, like, you know, Train wreck syndrome. It's like every time you post a part of soulmate bond, mm-hmm. I find myself sitting there for like I don't know an hour and watching the messages go by, and it's the same litany over and over again. Where they like, well, I'm not going to read it because you know I'm not going to give her the satisfaction of reading her work. You know all this, all kind of all this kind of chatter. And people, there's always the one or two newbies who somebody will come in and they'll they'll chime in with you know somebody says. Well, so she said, somebody actually said one day, so she said she doesn't want your critique, so what? And then there was this outpouring of reasons why you should be obligated to accept their critique.
1: Oh, no, right? And
0: it was was at at that moment that I had the, this is their sole contribution to fandom um, thought, and they don't like, they can't deal with the fact that you are challenging their, you know, that you're saying, I'm sorry, your contribution is not welcome here. You can contribute as a reader, but you can't contribute as a critique, critic, as a critic, because I don't love them. Go away. And also, I don't think they're qualified. No. I'm but great. more, but more, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Sometimes I go over there and I look too. I can't help myself. I look. I, I you know, come on. Um, and it's so, it's pitiful. I mean, it gets to the point where I'm not I'm not even insulted by the things they say. I just I pity them. I really hope they have a life outside of monitoring the site they're not going to read. Because if they're <laughs> not reading it, then how the fuck do they know I've updated? Because I don't post anywhere but my own site. I don't post on LiveJournal. I post on my Twitter and my Facebook and my Tumblr. So if they're and, and my email list, of course, that is automatic from my site. So if they're finding out about my updates, it's because they're either on my Facebook, they're stalking me on Twitter, they're stalking me on Tumblr, or they're part of my mailing list from my website. Mhm. And And that's really fucking sad, dude. Anybody who watches you that much is a fan. Yeah. They're all fans. Every single one of them is a fan. And they need to check their dick privilege at the door, because I don't know how to say this without being rude, but every single one of them is a man. Yep. (laughs) It's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. But, see, the thing is, is I like, I am perfectly capable of, of dealing with this with, some, with a great deal of amusement, but there are plenty of people in fandom that assholes like this can absolutely destroy. And that part is not funny. No. It's just not Cause funny at all. Because some people, especially, you know, somebody who's never been challenged in that way, has never had to fight for their work or for their or for for had to fight for what their boundaries are, who gets challenged by a group of overbearing people telling them you know you have to do it this way um, especially when somebody tells you that this is the way it is, this is the way fandom is, which it isn't even true because you know I mean, I went through that in early days of fandom, we've talked about that a little bit, is that mm-hmm. you know people told me this is the way it is, and i I didn't have a problem with my boundaries and stuff, but I was like, oh well, if this is the way it is, this is the way it is. I I guess I better, you know, try to be a good fandom citizen and do it like everybody wants me to do it. And you that's know? the time that I gave the Sentinel fandom fan my finger. <laughs> 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 because I got told that, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, I can't believe you made Blair this way, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know what, for a hot minute I was upset. I mean, I I admit that. I I was really upset. I even cried. Letty Holder can tell you that. And then, um, someone, and I'm not sure who it was uh, to this day, sent me this email claiming to be a big name fan. And they flipped my bitch switch. And it never got turned back on (laughs) off. It it has been on ever since. Um, Because, what, no, come on now. You can't tell me what to do with my own fucking hobby. What? <laughs> <sighs>
1: <Yep>. <sighs> you
0: dicks you dick faces i mean just oh it was just oh but see that's the thing you know because i was uh i did have a switch that got flipped and a lot of people don't and and they crumble under that terrible weight um and um it destroys uh their enjoyment And it takes them down a really ugly path in fandom, and sometimes it takes them right out of fandom. And then we lose somebody super talented in the Stargate fandom who trucks her ass over to NCIS, and we never get her back. Do I have to say a name, people? I'm just saying. That it was assholes just like this is the reason that we lost one of the biggest fans in fandom for Stargate to NCIS. And we're never getting her back. She's never coming back to the Stargate fandom. And that is on people just like those assholes in, you know what, I'm going to say it, in Zara Azkaban, in fucking Yahoo groups. It's their fault. It's people just like them who think they're entitled to dictate what one writer does and when that writer doesn't do exactly what they want they ju- they they mob them. And then we have someone super talented who wrote amazing Stargate fiction, truck her ass off the NCIS. And yes, I'm talking about Vance. She's never coming back to Stargate and I don't blame her. Because of a bunch of assholes who couldn't keep their opinions to themselves and got outraged when no one appreciated their opinion. How dare somebody not appreciate your opinion? I'm a little mad about that still. You know, it's it's not right. It, it's not up there with the cancellation of Farscape, but it's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Just. Because I love Zant Stargate fiction, and you assholes robbed me, not the ones that, not my assholes, not my favorites, not my monkeys, other people's monkeys, robbed me of future works. Because you're fucking assholes. And I don't appreciate that. And I've seen it happen in the Hobbit fandom, we all saw that go down in, mm-hmm. in the Hobbit fandom, um you know and if and if i let people do that to me i would no longer be in any fandom cuz i have yet to write in a fandom where i didn't encounter some bullshit i haven't gotten any bullshit about my criminal Minds pick yet <laughs> But I feel like it's coming. I, you know, it's, it's coming. I get a lot of shit from Stargate fans. Um, I get a lot of shit from Harry Potter fans, especially when I started posting Harry and Hermione. I got so much shit. Um, I got called a misogynist over my Star Trek fic, and I still haven't gotten over that, but Whatever. <laughs> That one, I just, of, of all the things people give you grief about, I don't get any of it. But that one I just find completely insane. It just, Amanda was so awesome in that story. And for then to say that you're a misogynist over that particular story, I was just I was kind of like, what? <laughs> you know, I would fully have expected it from Ties That Bind. I wouldn't have even blinked if it had been Ties That Bind. Um, because I treat Sam Carter like the devil. But, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's Not okay. that story. It's just, it's crazy, it's crazy. <laughs> because Tangled Destinies is literally like my love letter to Amanda Grayson, because I got really mad when they killed her in the movie. <laughs> I don't, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) So there's always going to be someone out there who's prepared and who, even in some cases, will gleefully give you grief. And if you think for a moment that you can't handle that, then don't give them the privilege of your words because they're not entitled at all. Mm Hmm? We and don't sometimes you, sometimes well, you ignore the people not ignore, but sometimes the people who are are um who really do right by you wind up suffering for the people who do wrong by you. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like, you know, I know that sometimes people send me like questions and stuff that are legitimate that uh, they may not hear back from me for a month or six weeks or something. That's because when I go in through periods of time where I feel like fandom kind of beating me down or when there's stuff going on in my life that is stressful um, and I feel like it could start to affect my writing and I know that I can't deal with life pressure as it is and fandom pressure and keep writing I let fandom go into a folder and I don't look at it I mean I really mm-hmm. I don't touch it and so the, I'm clearly avoiding the assholes but the people who are being nice and supportive to me are also getting avoided as well And that's unfortunate, but that's part of what you're talking about here is I've learned sometimes what I have to do to protect myself in order to be able to keep writing because the continuation of the writing process is more important to me than engaging with fandom. I think that I've encountered (laughs) – this is something really terrible – sometimes I'll go two or three days without looking at my website just because I don't want to see what's going to be popping up in the comments. You know, I just don't want to see it. And um, then there'll be this long-ass comment, and I'll, oh, God, I don't want to read it. Oh, I I dread it so much. I don't even want to read this fucking comment because a lot of times these long comments end up just being really, really insulting. And um, so I don't read them for weeks and weeks and weeks. (laughs) I Just leave them pending in my pending box because I don't want to know mm-hmm. what they have to say. And then a lot of times, it's just really, really great feedback, and it's awesome. I love this. I love that. I really appreciate how you did this, this, and this. And that's great. But I ignore it for weeks because of just bad experiences. Because yeah. I don't want to know. You know, it's I don't want to open up my email. I'm like, oh god, forty pending messages. No, no. <laughs> it's just ah oh. it is because i've been um in the past bombarded with um uh people who think they have the right um to give me their opinion and not only do they have the right to give me their opinion but apparently i'm also required to find value in it And when I don't, I'm an ungrateful bitch. <laughs> I mean, uh. that's what it boils down to. It's like not only, uh, you know, I want to tell you this, and you have to accept my opinion and value it and then follow my advice. And if you don't, you're an ungrateful, um, oversensitive cunt or whatever (laughs) you know you know you know that's (sighs) do what i want appreciate my opinion i you know i think that that these people i tried to i said you know can you imagine if somebody i I posted some tumblr once can you imagine someone was poking you constantly about getting something done or telling you how angry they were that you weren't doing it the way they wanted or expressing their disappointment that you didn't do it the way they wanted. If it was nonstop about you varnishing your bookcase, would you ever get that bookcase varnished? I would set that fucking bookcase on fire. I would too. this is how I'm wind up getting shelved is because <clears> authors just can't. I mean, I'm in the um, I'm in the disappointment phase from people over Slytherin Black.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: because I hadn't been, I went through the, over the holidays, I wasn't, I just was doing a, I'm taking a break from feedback thing, and I've been trying to catch up on what's been, and it's, it's all over the place. I mean, I have comments on NCIS Fix, and they're talking about Slytherin Black, and how this was great, but it'll be great when you get back to that, and I'm like, what the fuck, stop it. You just want to just double barge your monitor, <laughs> I, I do both fingers. Or I Stop stick my fingers. tongue at it and I go, Stop it, what the hell is this? And it's just all of this like it's there's nothing been aggressive lately, which is nice, but there's all this kind of oozing disappointment. It's like, oh, you know, it's like the disappointment just kind of oozed out all over my computer. We're so sad that there hasn't been more of this and I just wanna go, Oh, shut up. That's what happened to the Unsequel plot. I got one too many pokes about it and if I could have taken it and set it on fire, I, I would have. I haven't deleted it, for those of you who are curious, but um, I can't even look at it. I I tried to open it the other day, and I opened the file and closed it immediately. I just I couldn't because I got email after email after email after email. I'm talking like over 300 emails in a period of six months. And the comments and um, the pokes on Twitter, um, the, the the Facebook messages. At <sighs> it just never ends. It just never ends. No. No. I mean, this it, is why it, it, people don't – you, you tell people, but they think that, well, this doesn't mean me. But this is why the emergency sequel is so stalled out is because – um i mean i have quite a lot of quite a lot in that that is done but it's just kind of sitting there waiting for me to go in and do a second edit on it because i just sort of you know a dragon pops up in my inbox and i go oh, oh. No. <laughs> stop it i got pianoed the other day i was like oh fuck you <laughs> people are very, very nice about it, but it's still, you know, are you working on the sequel still? Nope, I've abandoned it, leave me alone. You know? (laughs) I told someone the other day that um, I wasn't updating Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond to 2025. (laughs) And they wrote back and said, are you serious? And I went, yep. (laughs) That's all I wrote on there. Because come on, people. Come on <laughs> It's just a lot But you know I loved, I loved it was I loved it is a wonderful thing to hear. I loved it when is the next part is is a constant dig and when there's fifty or sixty of them it's just it's too much. Stab it's too much stab. And you wonder why I have dreams about being a spree killer. Maybe you didn't, but now you will. And, you know, and I I posted on Facebook about why I apparently cannot write Harry Potter and NCIS. At the same time, I tried. You know, Tony starts saying things like arse and using wandless cleaning charms, and I don't catch it at first. I'm <laughs> like, wait a minute, something's wrong with this scene. What did I do wrong? Uh, Okay, he's not magical. He can't have done that. <laughs> that's not how that works. There's no with <laughs> in the CIS universe. Um, uh. but what I will say is that one of my methods of of dealing with pokes is I do set it aside and I pick up something else that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. And because I have so many projects that nobody's seen, um that I can just pick up something that only I know about. Uh, no one's seen it, not even Lady Holder's seen it, and I can play with it, and I can relax and, and get comfortable and, and write and write and write and write. And next thing I know, I've got 50K of this, and I'm like, oh, look. And I, I'll, I'll see Lady Holder likes this. <laughs> I'll put it in the folder. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that that's really actually how Ties that bind got written. Um, I was hiding from a... What might have been, <laughs> so so, um, yeah. So it's just that I think that one of the best ways to to deal with that kind of, of poke, 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 and it really upsets your idea and and you can't focus on it is to set it aside and pick up something that no one has any expectations about. That you don't have, you've not shown it to anybody, and no one's going to be asking you questions about it. You can get comfortable, you can de-stress, and just you can write something that no one has any expectations of ever seeing because they don't know about it, and that really helps me. Yeah, <clears throat> that was really good for me at uh, at, at the holidays when I took uh, the break from Slytherin Black as I I went on to work on a, a, a gift fix. Um, in NCIS, and a couple people, a friend, knew I was doing it, but other than that, nobody, I mean, I wasn't showing it to anybody or anything, and it was anonymous until the 10th of January. It was great, by the way. Thank you. Uh, But that was, you know, it was like I just got to just get head down and work on that, and, um, you know, it it was awesome, and now I'm knee-deep right now in NCIS stuff that nobody really knows about, and... um, Actually, about I have about eight NCIS projects active, active, active right now, but it's <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's it's when I when I get whatever people are poking me the most about is the thing I'm least likely to pick up. Right, and, and I you know I give myself and the funny thing as part of the protecting yourself in terms of the theme of the show, as part of the protecting myself, is I do give myself permission to do that. I know some people have very um, can be very, and you know, whatever your writing methodology is, is whatever works for you is what works for you. But being very um, prescriptive about what I have to write, uh, unless I'm in the middle of trying to finish a project for a deadline or something, that doesn't work for me, you know. So I, I I have to give myself permission as part of the, if I want to be able to keep writing, I have to give myself permission to put stuff down that's frustrating the fuck out of me. Even if I desperately want to
1: finish it, yeah, because it
0: it it can be hobbling. Yeah, um, their expectations. Uh, I want this, 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 this. I'm like, no, you don't. You you really don't. Rocks fall, everybody dies. (laughs) It was tragic. There was a group funeral. I just come on, people. (laughs) Uh, Because right Sybil said something in the chat room I think is really interesting That's why I don't ask about stories I love I don't want to make a writer give it up I don't want to be the Dickhead dickhead. Yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But here's the thing Is that you never know if you're going to be that Final straw You might say oh it's okay if I ask Because you know Shabby hasn't got a lot of questions But you, you never know if you're one of 50 emails that she opens that day, and you are the final straw. So it's best just not to be a straw at all. <laughs> really. I mean, you know, because, come on. But really, and honestly, the most frustrating thing I can ever encounter is that I publish something, and then I get an immediate more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Particularly if it's spelled m o a r <laughs> that's just even more frustrating, right? but either way, it's terrible yeah it's it's like, come on, can we take five seconds to acknowledge that you know you don't even have to acknowledge you could say nothing but you know a moment of silence from the fact that <laughs> that this was completed. <laughs> I also have this thing and, I, and you probably have it too because you, um, you do write in multiple fandoms and you have a big following in NCIS and um, a big following in Harry Potter because it's Lillard and Black. Uh, when I announced that this year I would be focusing on Season 2 of Sentinels in Atlantis I got so many emails from the Harry Potter fandom mourning how long they'd have to wait the next season of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond without any sort of consideration for how long the Stargate fans have been waiting for season 2 of Sentinels of Atlantis now it's one thing I will say about my Stargate readers they don't bitch at me about what I'm not giving them they thank me for what they get and a lot of them get tired of waiting for Stargate, so they come read my Harry Potter stuff. (laughs) I have broken many a cherry on the Harry Potter front (laughs) because they got tired of waiting. (sighs) Yeah, Harry Potter readers are a little bit more... um, Entitled? mm, I don't know if it's because there's so many more of them or if it's the fandom culture for that fandom or... uh, I don't know what it is, but I mean they're a lot more um, uh, aggressive about the entitlement from what I've seen than the. Because um, even my other two, my, I have an unfinished H- Harry Potter, and then the H- Harry Potter I did like I don't know uh, a year ago. Um, that it, that one's finished, but the the requests for sequels can be really aggressive. Where people and- like tell me exactly what to write. And you can't even, like, blame youth because you used to, you could say, oh, well, you know, Harry Potter's full of young people. Not anymore. They've grown up. They They grew up. up. The base for the Harry Potter fandom is grown up. They're adults, and they still act like children. (laughs) Quit channeling when you started reading the books and. I'm so serious. And this is, you know, it's just, um... Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. But you have to... I think every author has to figure out what it is that makes it possible for them to go on in the face of the worst fandom and throw at them. You have to plan for it. See, it may not happen, because it's always better to plan for the worst and get the best than the other way around. Um which is what I think a lot of people do, is they plan for the best and get the worst, and they're utterly traumatized. Oh, I agree. (laughs) You go, if you figure, if you plan for the worst, you have to decide if the worst is going to come at you, what do you have to do to survive that? And, you know, I have all of my little strategies of, sometimes I have to take a feedback break where I don't look at feedback, positive or negative, and there's no way to know if it's positive or negative, because I'm not looking at it. Um, I just don't <laughs> want to know. Just turn <laughs> the blinds out of that shit. <laughs> actually, wrote me, positive, sent, wrote me a private email and said, because they happened to have my email, and said, I sent you this really nice feedback, but I never heard back from you. And I said, oh, I'm not reading. And I said, well can't you read the good stuff? And I was like, you explain to me how that works. <laughs> but yeah, so I have I have those moments, and then I have times when I just, you know, I have to check out of. Writing certain things, uh, I have to put certain projects down to protect my emotional health uh, because they're not good for me at certain times, um, based upon how I'm feeling. If like if I'm doing a, um, you know, if I'm having an, you know an issue, and sometimes if you're having like an issue with, let's say, a struggling with a betrayal or something in your life, or a, a, you know something like that, you could find it very therapeutic to write a story where betrayal features and deal with it, or it could be really damaging to you. To be writing in like a you know, in a, in in that kind of thing. So I have to be very careful about sometimes about that kind of thing. I'm usually not too um, sensitive about that stuff, but every once in a while, I just like you know, life throws circumstances at me, and I just can't write certain kinds of things. Like, um, you know, like right after death in the family, I couldn't you know deal with writing. Um, somebody experiencing a great loss in the story because I was I could have channeled that emotion but I didn't want to. It's, it's so like very was, personal. It's, yeah. it's very it becomes deeply personal and sometimes you just can't share that kind of writing. You know I have mm-hmm. plenty of writing that I absolutely cannot share because it is so deeply personal. It's like looks like looking directly into my soul or something. I don't know. I can't even really explain it. But I would like to talk about one thing you said there earlier about um, not giving a response to a comment that had been left. Um, About a month ago, I got an email from this person who was pretty new to my site and didn't um, um, obviously didn't realize that I didn't comment on every comment that I got. She'd made several comments and I hadn't commented on them. And um, she sent me a pissy email. Um, through my comment form about it and I responded with this not counting my own comments I've got 19,000 comments on my website I don't have time to respond to comments not even with just a thank you because that's ridiculous (laughs) I mean come on people And I I see those people on LiveJournal or whatever who respond or on AO3, who respond to every single comment they get. I'm thinking, are you serious? Why is that a thing? Well, there's also the people who complain when you don't. I mean, I've seen posts in, you know, on Facebook and on Tumblr and stuff, people saying, you know, it's so rude of authors that I take the time out of my day to leave them a a slight comment. Um, and they can't be bothered to say thank you, and it's not you know these are not equal things. And I know I've mentioned this before, but they are not equal. When I write a two hundred ten thousand words, that is not equal to your fifty thousand. I mean, fifty word thank you. Those two things do not line up. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. No, they really, really don't. Especially when there's a hundred of them back to back. Yeah, and. It's not, you know, and also, you know, I, I, I love every single positive comment that I read. Eventually, I do read them all. I appreciate every single one of them. There are days when there, I mean, it's honestly it's the truth. There are days that sometimes the right comment at the right time said, you know what, I'm gonna sit down and work on this project. But conversely, there's also the days that it's the right wrong comment at the wrong time to have the same effect. I'm not gonna work on this project. And I try not to let my writing be that dependent upon what is coming through my email. But sometimes people just piss you off. But sometimes people can also lift you up. Yeah. But I don't have time. If I, because at one time, at one point I tried, I was going to just spend some time trying to catch up on feedback on one story, one story, and say just thank you or appreciate this or whatever. Two and a half hours later, I wasn't done with that one story. Right. There's two I'm hours like, you could have spent writing. Writing. Or doing yeah. your nails. <laughs> Whatever you fucking wanted to do at that time was wasted saying thank you. That's like I really do appreciate it. But you realize the only compensation that fanfiction writers get is the feedback, the positive feedback. That's the only compensation they get. So it's not a hostage situation. I'm not writing for feedback. So it's not like if there's a compulsory payment thing but that is like it's like the tip you know it's like hey i appreciated this here you go and i go you know that's really, and i do appreciate it but do i need to send a, a, a you know a thank you card for each one it just gets to be absurd some people think you should yes they do and it's craziness i don't always answer questions either and i get a lot of slack for that um The thing is, is I've got some weirdo readers who read the comments, too. A lot of times, if I answer questions, it would be spoilers. And people who don't want a spoiler for the next part, who don't want to know what's going to happen next, and answering these questions in the feedback would be providing them answers that they don't want the answers to. And, you know, these crazy asses... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a bad way. I promise. I promise. But they'll not only read like the entire like first part of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, they'll go through and read all the comments and sometimes comment on other people's comments. <laughs> so I literally cannot answer questions in the comments about the work. And also, I don't like to do that because then that invites discussion. Like, you have some kind of input in my plot. And you don't ever get input into my plot. <laughs> that's not how that works. That's not how that's ever going to work. <laughs> that's just no. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. It's just so crazy. Um, and, um yeah. I don't have time to respond to 19,000 comments with a thank you. Because if I did, next year I'd be writing part two of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. Because <laughs> I'd have spent all this fucking time answering thank you. And that's just on my website. It doesn't count Facebook. It doesn't count um, Twitter um, or my email or live journal. It's just literally just my website. So, um I'm not trying to brag when I I say that number. I'm just telling you that's... That's a huge burden to, to ask of anybody. To, you know... That's just ridiculous. Dark asks... How often does someone hit a plot point doing that? Or even asking a question? And do you change it when it happens? Um... Sometimes people hit plot points. Um, there was this whole thing when, um, I was writing, um, what might've been and Jimmy's identity was a secret and people would guess. And I would edit out their guess with little stars so that people wouldn't be spoiled when they guessed right. But I also edited stars when they guessed wrong. So the person who guessed would never know if I was, if they had guessed correctly or not. (laughs) And I never answered whether or not they got it right or not. Um, And um, so, yes, that happened. And and no, I didn't change his identity based on people's guesses. But there have been times, especially um, when, um, sometimes when someone hits one of your plot points before you get there, you feel, it's very intrusive. And it's like, do I change this? Because are they going to try to take credit for my idea because they guessed? Are they going to come back and say, oh, you should have given me credit for this? Is that weird? <laughs> no, no. I have I have those same moments because people have sometimes. Usually, I ignore it, but sometimes it depends upon the tone in which it comes come, comes to me. Is like sometimes people are just like, "Oh, this could happen, or this could happen, or wouldn't it be awesome if this happened?" And I have that thought of like, "Are they going to think that because this is the way it's going? Are they going to think that um, um, you know?" If, so, like, one person, one person guessed um, the uh, whole Ascended storyline in Emergence. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, are they going to think that I went that direction because of their guess? And I, I had this whole back and forth about it. But then I was like, you know, this is always the way this story was going, and I'm not changing anything because it's one person. But I did change something in um, Journey Home at one point. I don't remember what plot point it was. It was something minor, but it was because someone told me to do it. And <laughs> I hate that shit. I hate I like, it. I changed a pairing because someone told me to do it. Cause I don't. I will. I will. You know, I'll have the discussion. If somebody, if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, was this my idea?" I'd be like, "No, the story's always going this way. You just made a good guess." But if somebody says, "Hey, you should do this." I just. I will go right to the story and I will fucking change it because. the complete fucking one eighty having you thinking you don't got to tell me what to do. No. <laughs> just boom. I went in the, I went in the I I did a 180 on the story and changed appearing pairing and I was just like fuck that. Nope. <laughs> that, that's not how that's going to go. <laughs> you are not telling me what to do. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Holder probably did see that happen. Yes, that's true. Um the only thing that gets I, my back up more than that is when somebody chastises me. I, oh. For some reason, there's something about somebody taking me to task over something, and you can just see them wagging their finger at me, you know? I'm like, I just oh. want to it's reach out just, and grab their finger and fucking break it off their hand? It's like my brain slides forward in my head and starts to vibrate. I can't think rationally anymore. Toaster Pop said, oh, Sybil wants to know, can I ask which pairing it was? You absolutely can. It was... um. Okay, in what might have been, um, Matt ends up with Cameron. So when I started writing Ties That Bind, um, someone commented that they were really looking forward to the Matt-Cameron pairing in Ties That Bind. And I went, well, fuck that shit. And it ended up being (laughs) (laughs) Matt-Evan. Because it pissed me off that they made an assumption. And it actually was going to be Matt Cameron. Cameron was going to go to Atlantis for Matt. Um, and I just, uh, uh, no, it just it just totally flew all over me. And I was like, nope, not happening. Not happening. I deleted the comment from my site. It never got posted. And I went through and fucking, like, I'd actually written a lot of times at Bond. So I had to add some scenes and delete some stuff out, and, it, yeah, I totally did that. <sighs> yep. And then I gave, um, in a, uh, a one-off uh, drabble, I gave uh, 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 Simmons from Sentinels of Atlantis, who's with Bates, I gave him to Cameron. Cameron's not suffering at all. <laughs> Um but yeah, and so I tend to move Matt around for that very reason and when I wrote Lantian Legacy I specifically put um uh Evan with Chase Harris, uh, just to fuck with people who wanted it who would have wanted it to be Matt and Evan. <laughs> just fucking come on, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Just don't like, tell me what to do. <laughs> Toaster Pop was just saying that people say the opposite is like, Oh, this character would never do that and so you turn right around and go, oh yes, oh yes they would. Oh yes they would. I just now realized that my microphone was mean? on my head. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I was like, Where's my microphone? Oh, it's <laughs> on my head. But no, um in fact, I actually wrote um Darkly Lol as a triad. Um for a couple of reasons. One because Julie talked me into it and um <laughs> I'm a terrible and, influence. And two because I had read in Zara Azkaban the following. Someone had said, "Oh, you should read Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. There is a slash couple in it, but there's no nasty slash on screen." <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. Want to bet? <laughs> How there long will, will that be, last? There will be. Oh, will there be. And so when I got ready to do Draco the Lowell, I was actually considering just doing um, Draco and Harry, or just Harry and Hermione. And um, Jillie was talking about her idea, and I thought, well, maybe I should, oh, I should totally do that. <laughs> just put all the gay sex in there. <laughs> just blah. And um, so, yeah that's why that happened. Um and I honestly um if the Harry Potter Soulmate Bond book um ebook ever gets created, it will only be after I've inserted as much gay sex as I possibly can. <laughs> I'm going to do a whole serious subplot and insert it into the fucking ebook. Because what Oh, there really is waving a red flag, you know. It's just like, right. it's just like asking for it. It's just, oh, just asking for it. Well, it's just like when somebody says, oh, uh, and there's three characters that, uh, three characters I write, um, that people always have this, especially Jack. Um, oh, Jim wouldn't bottom. Oh, Jack wouldn't bottom. Oh, Gibbs wouldn't bottom. It's like, oh, oh yeah, he really? is tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next chapter, Guess- what's
0: happening with that? <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Um are trying to tell me who's going to be the bottom. Fuck that. I think I actually I think the warnings on my site actually say you'd better off assuming everyone's taking it up the ass than that one person <laughs> won't. <laughs> That's right. We have a magical butt sex mystery tour. That's right. We certainly do. Um, because come on, people, I don't care. It don't make me fuck up all your great expectations because I will. <laughs> I'll roll up in your fandom and have Gives bent over a desk before you know it. (laughs) I just... What? Come on. Come on. I think that's one reason why John is such a power bottom in, um, uh, Sentinels of Atlantis. Because he was on top a lot in what might have been and the first time that I, um, had him on bottom in St. Louis Atlanta. I got four or five emails saying they just didn't understand why I would do that. So I immediately did it as often as possible throughout the rest of the season. And at one point, John just practically begs to be buggered. <laughs> <laughs> it just because I got so irritated with the emails. Come on. I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the author, but there's a story. Um, it's an NCIS Tony Gibbs story, and it was one of the first things I had read in NCIS, which is weird, so it set my expectations totally wrongly, where Gibbs, not only is he, like, may, he, so he's very bossy about it, but he's uh, like he's total, total, got the total power bottom thing going on, but he totally loves rough anal sex. And mm-hmm. when he wants it, he wants it. Doesn't matter if it's the parking garage at NCIS or not. He has it now. <laughs> I and it's need this like, link. <laughs> it's like you were. Gonna, it's like he'd be like Tony. It's like you were gonna crawl into the back seat of this car and you're gonna fuck me and you're gonna do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the first things I read in the fandom, and I was like, Hell Whoa. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> wow, this fandom is really enlightened. <laughs> Thank you, NCIS. Oh, fuck. But I got a little further, and I was like, "Oh, come on!" You know what that is? It's just, um, it was an um, all those assholes that were in the Sentinel fandom moved to NCIS. I will find it, <laughs> toaster pop. <laughs> I want to read the story too. We all want to read it. Um, so I'll put out a Twitter link when um she gives me the link, and we'll make sure we all get it. Minute headquarters or whatever. Um, but uh. No, I mean, yeah, I have been totally known to plot and write out of spite. I, um... Yeah, I mean, I just, I do. I mean, because what? No, you don't tell me what I can fucking do. (laughs) I'm gonna fucking own, and you know what? John's gonna be on bottom. He's gonna fucking love it. I'm gonna own that shit. (laughs) Because... Whatever. And I got news for you. When I do finish my NZIS story, Gibbs is definitely going to have taken it at least twice in that story. At least twice. (laughs) I'm just saying. Maybe three times. Or, you know, there's this weirdness in the Inception fandom. Um... About rimming? (laughs) Weirdness?
1: Well,
0: it's... And it's Tom Hardy's fault. I'm going to tell you why. That man's mouth. There's something with that man's mouth that makes everybody write rimming. You can't really open a... A, a fic in Inception that has sex in it, where Ames isn't eating somebody's ass. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> what is that? I mean, it's just like insane. So there's these little things that um, that always end up in in fix. And um, I read one where um, Arthur was the top, and I was and I had read so many where he was the bottom. I was actually startled. I was like, oh. <laughs> cuz i had been conditioned to you know and it was then i realized i had been conditioned and i got really pissed off <laughs> so i went around looking for stories where arthur was the top <laughs> just to get my head you know re situated but you know it's just a weirdness because yeah but when i wrote sentinel i put blair on bottom I, and i think that's because i had been um sort of incepted. I didn't make him um, weak or female or, you know, you know what I mean? Um, But I did put him on bottom without even thinking about it. And now I'm kind of annoyed with myself. (laughs) Because it's like, really annoying. I'm really irritated with myself now. <laughs> so Kira, have you had complaints about Kirk bottling? Um, no I have not because there's been no penetrative sex in Tangled Destinies. Um, there was a hint that it might go in that direction and that that um and the fact of the matter is because the way I have structured Tangled Destinies and the way um I've Kind of plotted Spock's development into adulthood, um, and how I've, um, talked about his biology, um, their first penetrative sex act, Jim will be on bottom because, uh, biologically speaking, Spock's not ready to receive. Mm. That was a big plot point when it came to, um, The the last part, and I don't want to spoil it if somebody hasn't read it. And if you haven't read it, come on now. Read my shit. (laughs) But um, that Spock was not physically capable of of having a penetrative relationship as a bottom. And they had no business even thinking about putting him in a situation where he would be helping somebody through their pawn par. So, yeah, I have not inc- encountered that. Um, I have no intention of making one of them an exclusive bottom. I just don't think um, that for those two characters, that works. Um, and while I don't actually care who is on top and who is on bottom, in a lot of situations, I write it the way I do based on emotional content and... Um, um especially in something like ties that bind uh you'll notice that John doesn't allow penetrative sex unless he's got some kind of emotional or physical upset and so he's seeking um that's his it's a vulnerability thing and he's seeking comfort in it so there's that there's that that's kind of an open window into my head isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Don't look too deep, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I have this uh, scene planned out in one of the stories I'm working on, where I sketched it out. Where my, it's my head canon that Tony loves to get fucked. You know, it's just that's the way I see his character. Not that he's an exclusive bottom, but that just that he really, really digs getting fucked. And so I have this I agree um, with your moment. It, it, <laughs> yeah, that works in my head too. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this moment where Gibbs tells him he's gonna have to stop being so selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I do honestly think the bottom has a better time but, And that could be because I'm a woman And obviously And um, from a female perspective Penetration is really fucking fantastic So I don't know why anybody would be want to be on top Because <laughs> I don't have a dick So I don't understand, you know you know, so I don't have a frame of reference for that. So I do think um, that that comes out in my writing that um, that being on bottom is a real pleasure. That it's um, kind of almost like um, I don't know how to say that uh, decadent. Mhm. Yeah, that's that a good word. A, yeah, that it, that that's just like yeah, <laughs> that's the spot. That's where I want to be. <laughs> Well, you can tell in people's writing who think uh, little of the bottom in the pairing because they write it as if it's a, you're lucky if you enjoyed it kind of thing. It's kind of horrible. (laughs) Hedonistic's a great word, too. Yeah, absolutely. um it's it's a very pleasurable experience for me so i kind of relate that pleasure into the bottom mm-hmm. and um and since i am a woman i don't equate penetration with weakness and so when i see somebody equating penetration with weakness i want to stab them in the forehead or even with being you know the alpha, alpha the alpha role that you know you hear that a lot is that an alpha wouldn't accept someone fucking them. It's like, oh, come on, how do you know? really? you're not one, so hush <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you possibly fucking know about that? But what I would say is that, um, I do tend to have a very dominant personality um and um that translates into the um expectation that pleasure is is do me <laughs> I'm do that. You owe me that <laughs> I have an orgasm here, here and here or we're having problems. <laughs> and I think that um the expectation of pleasure is is a very uh is very much in line with an alpha or, or dominant personality. Um and so yeah. One of the most one of the most dominant acting people in a sex scene I ever read was um the person getting fucked. Because they were in complete control, and it was like you are not getting off until I get off this many times, and I don't care how difficult it is for you. <laughs> Suck it up would and you, keep going. Would you like a cock ring? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not done till I'm done. <laughs> someone told me that Harry Potter's... So I've decided I'm going to have Draco bending him over every surface in the... Someone told us there that Harry Potter's too alpha to bottom, so she's going to have Draco bending him over every surface in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 100% behind your goal. <laughs> we fully support I just, this plan. I just do not... I just find it extremely fucking offensive that somebody would equate... um penetration with um weakness or um and that's how they're doing it. They're not saying that he's too strong to bottom. They're saying he's not weak enough to bottom. Mhm. And that makes me want to slap somebody. Like a pimp. Front and back of the hand. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. That's just like, really? Because don't we live in a society already? And you know, it would be different and it would be still offensive if this was male writers doing this. But we all know it's not. No. These are women equating weakness with being Fucked. And I will come to your house, bitches, and slap your face. I swear. I... Come on now. Don't make her chase you down. <laughs> don't make hurt. me come over there. <laughs> <My> <laughs> mama. Don't make me come back there. <laughs> and you think to yourself in the back of your head, she's driving. She can't come back here. <laughs> but don't say it, because that bitch will stop the car. Yes, she will. I may or may not have had that experience. Learn from me. Learn. I think toaster pop said that it makes you wonder if they see themselves as weak, and I think they do. I can't imagine that. You know, that's the only thing I could infer from that. Good sex is empowering and, um, being able to, you know, offer your partner pleasure is empowering and having control over that pleasure is extremely empowering. Um, and, um, but all, there, there's also a uh, strength in, in, giving up that control and surrendering that. Um, and I think that a lot of people, uh, confuse submission with weakness. Um, as much as they confuse bottoming with submission, um, and they're not—they don't equal. I promise you, they do not equal. They never will equal. Uh, but the true strength in a DS um, situation is always, always with the submissive, because dominance can only truly be attained if submission is given submission can't be taken and you have to submit from a place of strength otherwise you're you're not really submitting your it's a pretense and that kind of pretense is is absolutely dissatisfying to everybody involved in the situation at least as far as I'm concerned I agree completely <clears throat> so yeah. Back off that shit, bitches. That's not how that works. That's not how any of that works. So I found part of the story. <laughs> well, I think I conflated two stories. So I think I conflated the start of one and the end of another. Well, I haven't <laughs> found the start of one, but this is definitely one where Gibbs gets off on it. But this is this is the end of the story that I remembered. It's very short. Um uh, the end of this is a story I remember, but the beginning is apparently another story. So this was me <laughs> mixing, mixing my fic up. It happens to the best of us. It the does. other day, the other day I was on LiveJournal and there was this. I guess it's been a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month. I don't know. Um, my my days blend together. Uh, I <laughs> I was looking through Stargate fic finders and I saw something. thought, like, oh that, that sounds really good. That's like something I'd want to read. So I click on it. It was my story. (laughs) They were looking for my shit. Like, (laughs) damn it! I was really excited. (laughs) That sounded really good. Fuck! I was so mad. Oh, I was so mad. I'm just saying, it was just really disappointing just to click on it and to realize it was my own shit. I was like, well, that's not what. That's not how I would have summarized my fic at all. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) and I'm like, really. But sometimes somebody gets something out of your story that you do not get, and they pick up something or a particular scene that means absolutely nothing to you, but it sticks out in their head like a fucking strobe light. And you're like, really? I wrote that? You have to go click on it and find the scene they're talking about. you're like, oh, okay, that really did happen. I totally forgot about that. But it's like their favorite part. Yeah. I I've, yeah. I've seen I've seen that on Finders where somebody's asking for I'm looking for the story that has this scene and I I don't recognize the scene. I go, Huh, I wonder what story that is And then someone responds, Oh, that's Jilly's story, this and this, that's in the journey home and I go, Oh yeah right. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> I saw the Delighty Holder story, um one of um, my favorite Lady Holder stories is um, The Unlikely and the Unwilling, which I've always said was the inspiration for Sentinels of Atlantis. And um, I was, I guess this is about a year ago. It might have been a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. Someone was looking for hers. person who responded wrecked mine, and they were like, no, that's not it. I've already read that one, and this thing isn't in it. I'm looking for this, this. And um, then someone else pointed out um, – uh, th- that it was unlikely and unwilling, but I, the reason I clicked on it is because I wanted to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Lady Holder's story, but we both got uh, linked on it because they they're trying to figure out which one it was. And it's not really a surprise that the, person, the, um, the first person confused the two because I... Like I said, the unlikely and the unwilling was the inspiration behind the Sentinels of Atlantis. I just moved it to a different place and started it in a slightly different way, and went, "Oh, let me twist it just like this and see what happens." <laughs> you know? So, you know, and there's so and there's some of the same format as, as as well as she continued her parts. But when I started Sentinels of Atlantis, I think she only had up to the part where they went through the gate. And so, you know, she's doing episodes, and I'm doing episodes, and they just kind of, you know, people get them confused sometimes. But yeah, I was really disappointed because I wanted to read it. I was like, oh, yay, new Sentinel story! Nope, <laughs> got excited for fucking nothing. I I think I found I think I found the unlikely and the unwilling also through a um, fix finder, um, not not looking for it, but somebody was talking about a story, and. I was like, oh, i got to click on that one, and it was Lady Holder's Story. I'm like, how did I miss this one? It's right here on her site. But um, I get lost on websites a lot. I have horrible website lostness. And more than <laughs> once, Lady Holder has had to, like, she's like, this story's on my site. And I'm like, it is? <laughs> I'm like, really? I clicked exactly where you said it and it's not there. She responds, okay, click this, <laughs> but don't do that. And I go, oh, okay, don't do that. Oh, look, there's a whole page of stories I haven't read. Look, there you go. Um, yeah, I've had that experience. I get lost on my own website, so you
1: know.
0: Someone told me that they didn't like my new website. Fuck that, them. My new, I know, right? That, that, that my new menu wasn't um, intuitive. I got news for you, assholes. It's the same fucking menu. And when you click on it, the only difference is instead of being in one big line down the... It's just in squares. It's literally the same fucking menu. It's just formatted a little bit differently. Instead of, like, one on top of each other, it's like three boxes to a line instead of one box per line. That is literally the only difference. Fucking twat. I'm just... I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, like you're going to go and take out something that makes sense to you
2: and redo
0: it to make it make sense to them. Right. You want to just double bird. Yeah. I don't, care if it makes sense. I don't care if it makes sense to you. Somebody wrote me once when I switched the backgrounds on mine from the sort of psychedelic colors to the sort of faded postcards thing on my site now. And they told me, oh, I like the other background better. Like, I care. I really don't care. I just, well, what, really? Okay. This opinion matters. That's what I would have just attached the background and sent it to them. That's what, it was sometime around right after I, started, it was right after I first launched my website that I put in my main bookmark bar, um, your fuck you page. <laughs> Which some a couple people have commented because in one of the videos I did for Rough Trade, you can see my bookmarks bar. And I have, I have like Facebook, rough trade, Kira, and then that says Kira dash fuck you, <laughs> which is not me telling Kira off, you know, but it's to the bird, you know. I got to have quick access to that. I might need it. I do regularly need it. <laughs> It's fucking hilarious, but sometimes I will. I'll be going along and I'll see something and I'm like, well, did, I, did I? That's not. That's not my story. That's not what my. Oh, I guess. Okay, <laughs> that is my story, but that is totally not how I would have described it. That's, that's because they they pick out a theme that was I don't know, but you know, like a, um Azure said earlier in the chat room, sometimes blue cartons are just literally blue cartons. They don't represent depression or <laughs> sadness, mourning. They're just literally fucking blue curtains, okay? Mm-hmm. I I do forget my fix sometimes, um, especially some of the shorter ones. I'll go. I'll go and that, fortunately I have never had the experience, at least not in this fandom iteration, where I have posted and asked somebody to help me find a fact that turned out to be mine, but it got close. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I cannot remember. I know the story had this and this and this and this and this. And what story is that? Um, I go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, that's mine. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I have never done it, but I did come close. I was... um... I was looking for a story that that had this um, scene in it where Rodney and John kept dying over and over and over again. I kept looking, I kept looking, and then I realized it was my own. I didn't actually post anywhere to look for it, but I, I, did, I did spend about an hour looking for it before I realized it was my own work. Mm. Mine was the story where I was like, I, I know that there, actually I did ask one of my friends, and she um I figured it out before she got back to me, but she was laughing her ass off at me. I'm like, I know there's this story. I'm like, I know there's a story where Severus is is Harry's real father, and they're in a hospital, and Harry's like four, and he's under the hospital bed, and he won't come out, and Severus sits on the ground and talks to him, and what is this story? (laughs) And I was like, I know this story from somewhere. Mm hmm. Oh, whose story could that be? (laughs) I wonder. Yeah, and I was about to, po- I was close to po- posting on HP's FixFinders Finder's about it, and I was like, <laughs> <sighs> well, I fired off a question to a friend of mine, and then shortly after I did, I went, Oh crap, I know that one. That one's mine. Bless your heart. Oh, I'm such a ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got oh, honey from Azure. But- I know it's, it, it's the advanced age, you know. I just, I don't know what else to say. The worst thing I've ever done to myself is I thought I thought I wrote something. I spent hours tearing apart my notebooks, not literally tearing them apart, but you know, going through them, going through um my backup disc, going through my Google documents. I I went through everything. I went through my tablet thinking maybe I just hadn't saved it to my folder. <sighs> then I realized that I hadn't actually written it. I just dreamt I wrote it. <laughs> I you want to know? Some- I spent a six fucking hours looking for a story I wrote in my dream. You ever you ever overwrite something in your head to the point that you think you've literally written it? Yeah, and then did not actually have written it. Yeah, yeah, and actually, when you then go try to rewrite it, you've so overwritten it in your head you can't go oh. Yeah, I don't want to write. I'm done with this. I've, I'm have i over it. It was great. You guys should have read uh, it. It was awesome. It was a fantastic story. I have probably written over 100 novels in my head that will never get put on paper. But I've been writing and they saved novels. the. Oh, and man. they saved the world, and it was a happily ever after, and it was awesome. And my characterizations were great. It's too bad <laughs> no one will ever get to see it. It was amazing oh sorry (laughs) but you know because because that's how I fill up my head when I'm not um in a position to write like if I'm driving or if I'm doing grocery shopping and I'm not on the phone with somebody or you know I'm standing in line at the DMV just whatever I'm doing if I'm not in a position where I can actually physically be writing I'm going to be writing in my head and a lot of times that writing never goes anywhere but my head. Unless I'm plotting for something and then I'm just kind of making mental notes. Or if in my car I'll plot to my phone and then I'll transcribe it when I get home. Um, but um, for the, a lot of times I just write in my head. Some of the ones that I write in my head are the stories I think of are like an interesting idea but that not all I mean, there has been there've been a couple that you know I was obsessed with that I spent like every waking moment usually when I'm really busy and I don't have time to write it's like every waking moment I'm in that story and it was like that would have been awesome but I've written it in my head and I have lived it and I don't need to do it again but every a lot of them are more you know like quick short things that I kind of go over and I'm like yeah That was fun. It was entertaining while it lasted, but it wouldn't have really made a full story. Yeah, that one, I've exhausted it. Moving on. And then sometimes those things end up in your work in in, in different ways. I have sometimes, um, okay, sometimes the sex I write originally might have been something I masturbated to
1: in my head. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying Her that
0: been, that could have been how ties at bind started. I, uh, that's totally how ties at bind started. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's just totally how ties at bind started. Um, because sometimes that's just you know when you're a writer that shit just kind of is in your head, and if it's in your head, you might as well use it to get off. I'm kind mm-hmm. of pink in the face. I'm, I'm I'm a little embarrassed. That's that's hilarious, but I still said it. So and that just tells you. Um, so here, I'll, there you go. Here I'll, I'll 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 confess too. So I'm um I'm going around naughty tumblers because one night because I was bored, and that's what we I do when I'm bored. It's either that or going to YouTube free fall with cake decorating, and uh, so it was a naughty tumbler night, and I wind up on this CBT tumbler, and it wound up getting locked down, and you. Like it's like gone. It's not. It's still there, but it says it needs a password, and it can't ever get back to it. But it was like some of the best CBT I've ever seen was on this Tumblr. CBT it, cock and ball torture. Oh, and not real not that. really extreme stuff that kind of makes you want to go. Oh my god, how could they? But I mean, really hot um, uh, sort of edge play in that I'm area. Yeah. So. I was like, and so I was just like sitting here for like I, like an hour scrolling, an hour, hour and a half scrolling through these and going, "This is just." And I was really, really happy about finding this Tumblr, and uh, <laughs> it it has become a big part of the 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 NCIS ties that bind um, story I'm working on. <laughs> Do not fucking poke about that. I will end you. But I, I, I will I come like, to right. your fucking house and end you. I'm so serious. I'm really looking forward to it. Don't fuck up my shit. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So I, was, I was like, i got to get that. i I got to do something with this. What am I doing that I could put cock and ball torture in? Oh, there's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think I'll do this, this thing where Tony has, like, almost no pain kinks except he's really okay with it. In the genital area, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do. That'll do nicely. <laughs> so it was a, uh, but yeah, it was. It was like you sometimes. Yeah, these things just kind of they just manage to creep in. It's amazing how that happens. I regret nothing. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> But fandom does have some 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 weird um sex things um that that happen and some of them are great and some of them are terrible. Uh, I will never in a million years understand the chan. No. I don't I don't get it. I don't under And maybe it's because from the place from which I write sex because I do tend to write sex that turns me on. And I like to read sex that turns me on. So the idea of somebody writing Chan or pedophilia, for those of you who don't know what Chan is, um, really freaks me the fuck out. Mhm. Yeah, I had this weird conversation with somebody about um, underage and stories and I was talking about, you know, the, why would you want to read that sex? I mean, it's creepy that that, you know, turns you on, sort of thing. And she said, "Well, it doesn't." I'm like, "It doesn't turn you on." Well, then why are you reading it? And she says, "Well, I just sort of, it's, you know, it's just sort of part of the story." No. Um, I'm missing something here. You said you don't find it like she. She and she said she, said she doesn't. She said you didn't find it. Um, I said, you don't think it's repe- kind of repellent? And she said, No, but it doesn't turn me on. I just—it's just part of the story. It's—I'm interested more in the in the relationship dynamics. And I was like, But ew! And Honestly, I, I don't—I—I I, can't—that's to that degree. I think that's worse, actually, because the implication is—is is that she's okay with that abusive relationship dynamic. Even if you dismiss the sexual parts, she is okay with this adult having a romantic relationship with a child. And that's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, it doesn't turn me on, so it's okay, because um, it's sort of like... uh, you're intellectually all right with it but not sexually all right with it. I don't know what to even make of that. That uh, I can I mean I said well, for starters I don't I don't compartmentalize my porn to that degree. Um but I mean, I guess there've been times when I've read a sex scene that I didn't think was hot, but I didn't set out to read it with the knowledge that I didn't think it was going to be hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she's going into these stories, according to her, knowing she's not going to think the sex is hot. Now, from my point of view, I don't understand this person's a liar. Well, I had that thought, too. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm not. Yes, I am. I, I, but I also encountered someone who didn't think that finding that stuff um, sexually arousing equaled pedophilia. And. Let me break that down for you. If you get aroused reading fiction about an adult having sex with a child, that is pedophilia. Pedophilia is a condition where you find children sexually attractive. It doesn't mean that you've had sex with a child. It doesn't mean you even have a goal of having sex with a child. It means you find it sexually stimulating. That's what pedophilia is. It's a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's kind of like, you know, arachnophobia. You're afraid of spiders. Whether you interact with one or not, you're afraid of them. Whether you can see it or not, you're afraid of them. If you find that stuff sexually stimulating, you're a pedophile. Period. And I had someone argue with me about that. And um, I unfriended them <laughs> because I just. But no, I'm not going to argue with you about it. That's what it is. That's what it is. Well, we got into this weird kind of intellectual. For her, it was an intellectual exercise, because she keeps trying to recommend HP stories that where Harry's way too young, um, even even to be having sex with. In my opinion, a uh, an age mate, much less an adult. Um, but. Sometimes she'll send me, you know, well, Harry's 15 in this one. I don't care. He's with an adult. If he's 15, I'm not having it. Quit sending me This will be the one that changes your mind. It's awesome. No, it won't. Quit sending me this stuff. And I don't know why people don't listen to this. We had the conversation of the why aren't you listening to me on the I don't want to read this stuff. You keep thinking you're going to change my mind. Well, I guess that I have one question for you. Um, Is there a breaking point where she sends you something and you unfriend her? Well, I don't know where through Facebook. Um, but oh, there could okay. Be, yeah, but yeah, there could be a point where I would, you know, say, unfriend you. you know, I unfriend you. <laughs> what is that? I actually wrote down. A, I wrote down a quote for a story recently. Um, Let me see if I can find it. I had an... why? Why I was for I them, will I'll bargain you. no more. I oh. withdraw. <laughs> I had someone email me. I have a little um, subject line in my comment form. that says fandom agony aunt. And sometimes other writers will use it to ask me my opinion about situations they're in. And without giving away any specifics, I had a writer email me and say that um, she'd been talked into writing with somebody else and it was somebody else's idea. And um, the um, the idea had one of the characters extremely underage. Well, when the writer started writing it, she aged the character up so it wouldn't be pedophilia. And um, the person whose idea it was freaked the fuck out and accused her of ruining her idea. Well, she's got a lot of the story written and wanted to know what to do with it. And I told her that, um, that that the idea freaked her out so much that she artificially aged the character. That should tell her all she needs to know about what she should do with that story. <laughs> <laughs> that is like put it down and walk away. <laughs> you don't you didn't want right to begin with. And um so but uh I, <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it, yeah, there is there is a limit, you know. There is a limit with people where you just kind of go, it enough is enough. Um you can't keep shoving this down my throat. I don't want to hear it. Um and I think that it's like they're trying to look for you to validate their position like agree. Like you're judging me by not reading this and, and I actually try not to say try not to judge people's, although I'm a little bit judgier about the underage stuff than I am about other kinks, but like, you know, I have a real big bias about against gun kink and I actually internally in my head, I'm very judgmental about gun kink uh, so, but I try not to express it, and I just did I just did for the whole world to hear, I just expressed my big old Shudgy pants about gun kink, but if you recommended a gun kink story to me, I would not come at you and say, What a weirdo you are. You know, I would just go, No, thank you, this isn't to my taste, and move on with my life. But, you know, but I think people assume when you say this isn't to my taste, they assume that you're judging them, or, you know, and they're trying to get you to accept them. And their position by persuading you this will be the one you like, and I guess this is my only interpretation of this. Because when somebody tells me they don't like something, I, I, I don't recommend stuff like that to them. But for the record, um, Julie might not be judging you, but I probably am. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there for you because I have a real problem with pedophilia. I have a real problem with um, rape, written fertilization. I have a real problem with people. And, and I'm a I'm gonna say this, and I don't care if it hurts your feelings. If it does, have a coconut smile and shut the fuck up, because I don't even want to hear your complaints about it. Whenever I see somebody on Genre Finders um, for any fandom, and they want rape and torture fic, I judge you. You're creepy. You're really creepy. Uh... I think you're creepy. And I think you're creepy if you read underage stuff, too. I think you're a real creep. And you know what? It doesn't matter what I think. You you, you own your creepiness. You you, just, you own it. Don't touch any kids in your neighborhood. Or and in your family. Your or on the planet. And, and, yeah, and, and don't share your creepy. And just don't share your creepy. You know, just do your damn thing and don't try to make me accept it and That's the point that i you know I feel like I'm out with some people. It's like I don't have to accept this. I have been polite about it up to this point, but you know there does come a point where you kind of go okay i'm 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 done being polite. I'm not uh, gonna read your gross pedophilia fix. stop sending it to me <laughs> and okay. We what what prompted the come to the come to Jesus meeting was because she knows I'm okay with Severus fic because I, I actually am okay with stories where because I've written one where Severus is Harry's father. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and depending on the context, I tend to prefer them where they find this out before Snape has bullied Harry for seven years, not after. But whatever, you know, as a genre, I'm okay with it. Um, I am not okay with Severus' fix that are also Severus slash Harry fix. That's really gross. (laughs) So she sends me a wreck for a Severus, and as that is also a Severus slash Harry. I'm like, okay. So now you've hit two things I don't like. You've hit incest and underage. No. (laughs) What the hell is going on with you? She said, "Well, you said you like Severus." I go, boy. We are not speaking clearly. We need to have a talk. And then we wound up having this big old long discussion that went off in this whole intellectual thing that wound up just being distracting. But, um, yeah, I try not to sort of... But, yeah, there's stuff going on in my head that isn't coming out of my mouth. But what comes out of my mouth, I try to be polite and your kink is not my kink and um, don't recommend underage or incest or please no gun kink. (laughs) I just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to read incest. In fact, I would say that the incestfic and supernatural ruined the show for me before I ever got a chance to watch it. It did. Although the show just done a really good job of of making jokes about that. Um. Yeah, I saw that scene actually on YouTube, because um, there was somebody on Tumblr bitching about it, and how dare they make fun of us? Okay. They're not the only one making fun of you, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> not by a long shot. Because, <laughs> come on. They may be hot. Individually, yes. And together, if you're going to write real person fic, I'm not on board with that, but I I totally get why you'd want to do it. I am not on board with the incest. Yeah. Barbara's hiding her guns from me. I just... I'm okay with guns. I'm just not okay with them inside vaginas. <laughs> I... No, you don't put weapons in vaginas or in anuses. Uh, No knives, um, no guns. Um, I really don't appreciate a dick being called a sword. Uh, uh, No. When you refer to a penis as a weapon, it throws a layer of violence over sex that is really inappropriate in my point of view. I agree. They don't need aggressive names, spear, sword, javelin, for the really lucky ladies, I don't know. Call a penis a weapon. Uh, I, that's just really, I mean, come on now. It's just, it's very violent. It's, um, it's, um, and frankly, women suffer enough violence, in, um, across the planet, um, at the hands of men, um, that it's, it's, um, it's extremely disrespectful to refer to a, um, to a penis as a weapon, because um, so many men use it that way. And not in a sexy way. But you Mm -hmm. know what, though? It's kind of like being asked to be called daddy. If some guy asked me to stroke his gun, I would bust out laughing. I... I, (laughs) I can't take that shit seriously. And no, you cannot cheese your sword. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) on board with that. That's really fucking funny. But there was a man in my past who asked me to call him daddy. And we were in the midst of it. And I busted out laughing. Laughed my ass off. Totally ruined the moment. It totally ruined the erection. Uh, It just... You've got, you got to spring that on somebody before the moment and, you know, work that shit out in advance because... You just you just can't ask a woman to call you daddy while and expect the right kind of answer, especially when you weren't even getting it done. If you were getting the job done, <laughs> I would have been too busy to laugh, which is exactly what I said to him. It didn't win me any favors. Yeah, if you getting the job done and doing it really well, you're like, yeah, hey, I'll call you Santa if you want. I don't care. <laughs> just keep going." It's just done. <laughs> but, right. I'm just saying. So, uh, Azor giving us um purple prose, and I just have to share with her that one of the purple prose things that somebody had shared at one in one of our little purple prose contests, um, one night, <laughs> I decided to I decided to spring on my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, over the holidays and uh, um, she spit eggnog all over the living room and it, it was Star of Sodom and uh, <laughs> I was, we were talking about purple prose and she says what's purple prose because she for some reason oh, I had managed to miss that term I said you know like instead of calling it somebody's asshole or something or calling it their anus you you'd call it the Star of Sodom <laughs> Next thing you know, eggnog (laughs) everywhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking hilarious. What's your mom? She's blessed. Oh,
0: my mother over Christmas um, pretty much uh, bitched and complained the entire month of December about her Christmas tree because my father kept unplugging it. And she had not spent ten hours after Thanksgiving decorating her fucking Christmas tree for him to unplug it. Now, you know what day it is. It's January 22nd. Her Christmas tree is still up. And he was complaining (laughs) because Christmas is over, right? So this woman took down all the Christmas ornaments and put snowflakes on it. And called it her January tree. (laughs) And plugged that shit back in. Good for her. And I was like, so what are you doing next month? She said, I already bought a bunch of cupids. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) She digs that tree. I can't wait to see St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to all the (laughs) leprechauns. Oh, I have to tell you, so you know that um, you were talking at the beginning about the adult swear things? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so we, mom, I, I bought a set of those, a set of of uh, a, a hand-drawn ones over the holidays, um, and I asked mom, I said, do you want any of these? And she says, she looks at me and she goes, I want fuck everything. And I said, <laughs> I said okay. So I copy it off and you know, next thing you know, she's done three versions of fuck everything. Doesn't pick up another one. She's just done three versions of fuck everything. So there's, there's fuck everything, fuck everything, fuck everything. And then she, the one she likes the best, she takes a picture of it and she uses it as her Facebook profile picture. <laughs> like everything. And so while she's coloring these three, I take, I'm a much slower colorer, so I decide I'm going to do thunder cunt, um because it's one of Sinna's favorite swears, and I decided to – I was going to color in honor of my Internet spouse, so I colored Thundercunt. <laughs> so my pops comes around the whole time I'm coloring, every once in a while, and he just has like no memory, right? He comes around and goes, what, you, what does that say? And I'd hold it up, and he'd go, thunder, uh. And then like an hour later, he'd come by and go, what does that say? And I'd hold it up and he'd go, Thunder. Oh <laughs> And like five times we had the cunt trauma because I would stick thunder he cunt blocking up. it out. If He is, he's blocking out that it says cunt. <laughs> and so he keeps asking me, What does that say? Oh, oh. There you go, oh. Pops, it says And <laughs> finally the last time he goes, What does it say? and he's he wears hearing aids he's partially deaf and i go it's a thunder cunt
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and i hear from the back room my mother going what is going on out there <laughs> so me and my mother were at the cafe somewhere middle of december and she had brought her coloring books, and she was coloring, and, you know, she's got all kinds of markers, and um, she, likes to color, she likes to color specifically with Sharpie markers. Um, and this lady um, was standing near the fireplace where we were all seated, and um, I was writing, and um, Snotty Sonny Lit Rider was there, and she was writing, and um, Sci-Fi Writer had, had come in with his stupid-ass girlfriend, and he was writing, but his stupid-ass girlfriend was on Facebook. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't like the stupid-ass girlfriend, in case you missed it. So we're all there, and Mom's coloring, and um, this lady comes and stands by the fire, and she says, Aren't you a little old to be coloring? My mama looked up at her. She said, You can go fuck yourself. and went back to coloring. (laughs) (laughs) And Sci-Fi Writer looks at me and says, That is your fault. I said, I came out of that. I said, I stepped out of that full form. Where do you think I got this from? I said, "Baby, look at this. This is my final form. I just haven't got there yet." <laughs> <clears throat> so, the, so, the lady left, but she did complain to the to the management about being told to go fuck herself. And the manager asked what he had what she had done because the manager came and told me this, and um, he said, "Well, maybe from now on you should just mind your own business." I said, that is not a good way to keep customers. And he says, I don't want to keep rude-ass customers like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dude. Your, your coffee's overdone. He goes, no. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> he went, ran, Because, <sighs> anyways. Oh, gosh. We're down to 90 seconds. Um, oh, uh, wow. I know, right? I want to thank Julie for joining me um, impromptu tonight without even asking. I didn't even ask her. I'm such a rude ass. <laughs> um, but I have a feeling if she didn't want to be on the phone with me, she'd have hung up. I would um, have. Yeah. Um, so anyways, you guys have a good evening. I will probably see you tomorrow night because I am snowed in and um, I'm going to make Lady Holder get on there with me unless she's not available. She better be available. Anyways, You guys have a great evening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.
2: Shut up up and up and sit down.